Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. Why don't we, uh, why don't we just start off by just praying about that? Amen? Lord, we're asking your help right now to really become believers in a body, an army, that doesn't just talk about the hurting, but uh, we actually touch the hurting. Um, so I'm asking you to inspire us today, as well as stretch us. Some of us need to just be encouraged and inspired. Others just need your spirit to stretch us, because there's a hurting world out there that you've called us to touch for your glory. And we ask in Christ's name, amen. Whew. All right. So our theme for the year is? All right, circle up. Um, let me just say this. It's really just about circling up in community, right? Uh, and I will also say this. It is, it is not, it is never safer alone. Some of you think it's safer alone. It really isn't. Uh, it's much more dangerous when you're on your own. It's very deceptive being on your own. Uh, I'll tell you what, it'll lead to some discouragement and maybe even depression if you try to live your life, your Christian life, on your own because you were not created to live alone. You were created to live in community. Amen? Matthew 23, if you got your Bibles, we'll get there in a little bit. We're also going to go to John chapter 4, and we'll also touch a little bit on Luke 10. But uh, we've talked a lot about how how Jesus modeled ministering to people in different sized crowds, right? Different sized communities, different sized circles, right? Uh, we talked about the core, did a whole little message on that. That's your three or four, right? Those are people that we call your inner circle. And what you want to do with your core, as you can see on the screen, that's a time of investing and making major impact. I mean, Jesus had three or four that he really invested in, and they made a major impact. And then we got into the committed, right? That's like 10 to 15-ish. Those are people that we call your circle of influence, right? Major investments there uh, as well, but that's where you get some instruction as well as you begin to learn how to influence others in the faith. And I remember doing a message about the crowd. That's like the 120 plus. That's you guys, right? That's enlarging our circle, right? And this is where we begin to realize that God has called us to include and invite others. Thank you for people. Hallelujah. Where do we invite these other people? We invite them into our lives. Where do we include these other people? We include these people in our community and or in our circle. And if I had to kind of narrow down the two kinds of people that Jesus basically enlarged his circle with, or Jesus circled up with, or Jesus was spending a lot of time in community with, it would be the hurting and the hungry. That's where, when I read the Gospels, I see, man, he's hanging out with the hurting as well as the spiritually hungry a lot. And that's why we're going to take a couple weeks to address this in a little mini, mini series. You just don't see too many times where Jesus has a bunch of know-it-alls hanging around him. I mean, the know-it-alls come up to him, but they realize they don't know it all, and they split, right? The self-righteous didn't really want to hang out with Jesus too much, 
And I assure you that there weren't too many hypocrites that liked to hang around authenticity, right? Jesus, right? They didn't circle up with him in, in community. And in Matthew 23, um, Jesus talks about these seven woes, right? Um, and he's basically like, this is my take on it. Don't hang with these types of people in your circle, right? You know, not saying don't try to reach them, but these aren't the kind of people you want to circle up with. Yet, I find a lot of Christians spending way too much time with this type of person or these types of people in their Christianity. Yet, Jesus is like, steer clear, yet we find ourselves spending way too much time with this group of people. I'm going to just summarize real fast Christ's seven woes seven characteristics of people that Jesus would be kind of like, hey man, those aren't the kind of people you want in your inner circle. Uh, One would be people who do not practice what they proclaim, right? Another one in that that whole Matthew 23 uh, is people more into titles than towels. When I talk about towels, I'm talking about serving and or washing people's feet, right? A lot of people are more into titles. They want spiritual titles, but they don't want to be servants. People who shut the door to heaven in people's face. There's a message there. People who convert others to be like them instead of more like Jesus. And this is all in Matthew 23. It's there for you. I'm just summarizing it. Uh, People who try to pay off God by giving money, but don't give people God's grace and God's mercy. That's not you guys. Uh, People who strain a gnat but swallow a camel. Now, that one needs a little bit of, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, interpretation, I guess. Uh, basically, what Jesus is trying to get across there is you see a small sin in, in somebody else's life, and you got this giant sin in your own life, and you don't see it. You'll strain a gnat out of your, out of your, out of your drink, but you'll swallow a camel, right? And then one more that I thought was interesting, probably the most common one, uh, People who clean up their outward lives, but their inner heart stays unclean. It stays unholy. So stop and think about the kinds of people, one, that Jesus tended to stay away from. And two, Jesus spent his prime time with. That's kind of where we're going with this series. Again, Jesus circled up with hurting and hungry people. Today, our focus is going to be circling up with the hurting. And next Sunday, we will talk about circling up with the spiritually hungry. Now, you might ask, what do I mean by the, by the, by the hurting? Isn't everybody hurting? Well, technically, I would say, yes, everybody's hurting. I believe everybody's broken and wounded somewhere, somehow, and in, 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 in some way. But when we say circling up with the hurting, we're referring to people who don't really know that they're hurting. They have certain behaviors and attitudes and mindsets that aren't very functional. Maybe they're very dysfunctional, but they don't realize that it stems from a real deep, deep what? Wound, right? They don't realize that they're they're hurting. Um, They don't know what to do with their hurt. So when we talk about circling up with the hurting, I'm asking you, to start finding some people in your life who don't know what to do with their hurt because they're doing a lot of stuff with their hurt, but it's not healthy behavior. It's not godly. I'm just being honest. We're talking about people who, who can admit 
I'm hurting. I'm wounded. I'm, I'm scarred. I am weary from this world. I'm tired of it all. And they can admit it. You'd be surprised. There are some people out there that are there. And those are the kind of people you want to try to pull in and invite and include. And I would even go as far as some of the people in your life who are almost ready to admit that they're hurting, right? There's, you, you get that type of person that, that you, 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 you see almost on a daily basis or a weekly basis. They're almost ready. You can tell that they're right there. They're almost ready to be vulnerable and go, you know what? I'm wounded and I'm hurt and I'm looking for some real fellowship, some real community, some real friends. And I'm just asking us as Christians to strongly consider what? Circling up with that type of a person. Inviting and including more hurt people in our circle and in our lives is kind of what we're talking about. People that have been deeply wounded, right? Beat down by society, scarred by self, scarred by sin, and maybe even scarred by society. Or invite them into your circle, invite them into your life. Okay, as an intro, uh, this is the part where the preacher, me, picks on church people. You guys ready? We need to make some more room for next week. All right. Some of you got that. Uh, and oh, by the way, I'll be picking on myself too, quite a bit. I feel like when it comes to inviting and including the hurting into our lives, as well as into our circles, um, I feel like that we act like we don't know where to look for hurting people. And maybe that's where your mind went as we started to talk about this. Well, I would really like to reach out for more for hurting people, but where are they? You know, we kind of act like it, like we act like we don't know where to look for what? For hurting people. I've been there. So this is where the message gets a little interactive. We don't do this very often, but this is your first time here. You're going to have to get over it, all right? We're going to get a little interactive, uh, kind of get a little example so that you and I uh, figure out how to help the hurting and how to notice those who are hurting. The first little thing is simply this. What I'm going to need for you to do, you don't do it fast. The first service was really, really fast. So you're going to go a little slow here. I want you to look to your left and then look to your right and then... Everybody do that. Just look to your left, not too fast, and then look to your right. Look to your left. Now, some of you aren't doing it, and that's okay. Uh, disobedience will never get you anywhere, all right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, that's all I'm asking you to do. Isn't that amazing? You looked at somebody hurting. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to really stretch it now, um, because now I need you to look forward, right? Look in front of you. Look at the person right in front of you. That's me, my heart. You're looking at a hurt man here. Really, I got some scars and some wounds, and I need help. All right? Everybody, just look at the person. Next. I'm serious. The person in front of you. You're not doing that, Ben. What are you looking at me for? Look at this guy. All right? All right? All right, now here's what I want you to do. This is going to be the biggest stretch of the day. I want you to glance behind you. I'm going to give you some advice. It's a quick glance. Because if you do a long glance, they're going to think you're a creeper. All right? <laughs> So we just kind of real quick, bang, bang, bang. Incredible. How many of you got a heart revelation of the hurting? Thank you. Isn't that kind of what Jesus did? I mean, not quite exactly like that, but 
He walked right. He walked to his left. He walked, what, straight ahead. And you know what happened next for Jesus? He walked right into hurting people. This is incredible. I mean, you don't have to go real far. I mean, I'm all for going on mission trips. But I want you to know, every day can be a mission trip for you. If you'll just open your eyes and your heart to a generation that's really hurting. Now, before I share two classic, just classic biblical examples, uh, let me just say this before we get there. One would be this. Don't violate the concept or the principle of Sabbath rest. Meaning, come on now, once a week you need to just take a day off and get some rest. Amen? Some of you are violating that, right? That's another message, but I don't want you to like go, I got to violate Sabbath to, 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 to help the hurting. No, no, you really don't. No. Two would be, don't get caught up in thinking that you must meet every need. Right? How many know you're not the Holy Spirit? Right? So I want to take some pressure off you, okay, before I challenge you. And the pressure off of you is make sure you're getting some Sabbath, you're getting some rest, and realize that every need you see you can't touch. All right? So there's a little disclaimer there. In John chapter 4, you read about this incredible story of Jesus ministering to a Samaritan woman. Now understand that the racial tension between Jews and Samaritans was off the charts. If you think the summer of 2020 had some racial tension, read John chapter four, all right? Understand the tension between Jews and Samaritans. So Jesus was kind of cutting across major cultural no-nos, all right? To sit and talk to a woman, let alone in that day, was breaking a cultural you know, barrier. But then, to top it off, she was also a Samaritan, and Jews and Samaritans wanted to kill each other. I'm just saying. And Jesus was willing to break right through cultural barriers. Why? To get to the hurting. To get to the hurting. Now listen to John 4, 6. Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. To me, the most interesting, maybe the most insightful word in that sentence, in this entire scene, is the word tired. Doesn't seem very significant, but it is. I like to say that a lot. I mean, I do a lot. I know it doesn't look like I do a lot, but I do, right? And I'm really, really, I become a professional at saying I'm tired. And many times it's to justify neglecting those hurting, really. Now let me just say this, this is really important. God only uses tired people because there are no other kinds of people available, all right? That's the only kind that are out there, right? God only uses tired people because there are no other kinds of people to use, right? There's no other kinds of people available. He tends to use what? Tired people. If you're waiting until you are no longer tired 
to talk to and to touch hurting people, you are going to miss out on interacting with and inviting hurt people into your life and into your circle. It's just going to happen. Again, Jesus is tired from his journey. So what does he do? He sits at a well. And a lady hurt by not one, not two, not three, not four, but five husbands. All she wants is a bucket of water. And you know the story. Jesus gives this hurting lady living water so she never has to thirst again. It's just an incredible encounter. And then the lady's home. Come on now, the lady's heart, the lady's heritage and her town is forever changed. Massive healing, and I would even go as far as revival breaks out in Samaria. Hopefully you're understanding that a little bit. So what does this mean to you and I? Where are the hurting people in your life? I'll tell you where they're at. They're at the office well. They're at, the, they're at the office water cooler. And you're like, well, that's really old school. We don't have a water cooler or a well at our office. What you got is a Keurig. Right? And that's where they're at. They're sitting next to you at the soccer game. They're on your social media thread. That ought to wake us up a little bit. They're on our social media thread, and all we're doing is arguing with them, fighting with them, letting them have it with three explanation points. Don't tell me you haven't done that. I've been on your page. In Luke 10, Jesus tells a story of the Good Samaritan. It's just incredible. Uh, we're basically a bunch of religious people didn't want to break their daily rhythms to help a hurting man. That's basically, I mean, in today's lingo, I mean, it would be a bunch of religious people didn't want to break their daily rhythms or routines or religion to help a hurting man. Just read it. It's just incredible. The dude is beat up, teeth are over here, and we got religious people that are walking on the other side of the street acting like they don't see them, and they're loaded with excuses, and ultimately it's really just about my routine, my rhythms are this way, and if I stop and try to help him, it's going to mess up my schedule. I mean, that's, that's the gist of the story, at least from, from my eyes. I struggle reading the story of the Good Samaritan. I just do. Um, I tend to avoid it. Um, about once a decade, it just kind of comes up in my, in my Bible rhythm, you know, what I mean? and you're kind of stuck reading it. Um, why do I struggle? Because I get really convicted when I read the Good Samaritan, even as a pastor. I'm so focused on the vision, I forget the mission. Did you hear that? I seldom see, let alone hear a hurting heart at the gas station or grocery store. Now in the first service, my wife and I got into an argument because she says, when do you ever go to the grocery store? You know? 
And I said once a month, and she said once every three months. So it's probably somewhere in between, you know. But when I see the gas station clerk, it's cash, credit card, gone. And the few times I do go grocery shopping, it's in and out. You want to know why? Because I got to get home and I got to study a sermon. Funerals interrupt my rhythm. They interrupt my routine. They interrupt my, my religion. I protect, and for the most part, I think this is wise, but I protect my Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings for sermon prep. That's my rhythm. That's my routine. But recently, a little toddler tragically passed away. And the family asked me to do the funeral on a Tuesday. Just want you to know when a toddler passes away, you can't bring a canned message. Are you with me? I can't just pull one out of the file and say, I'll try this one and change the names. You just can't do that. The family was obviously hurting and they needed a word, right? I had to shift my sermon prep, but I want you to know that God graced me to pull it off. He really graced me. So again, how do we walk into hurting people's lives at school? Walking down the hall, talking to people, right? Next to us on the bus or next to us in class. I just want you to know that, that the odds are that the people you rub shoulders with at school, at the locker, or in, in the hallway or on the bus, I'm, I'm just trying to tell you, they're, they're probably hurting. A high percentage of them, right? Maybe not everyone, almost all of them. And it's not that hard to just give them an, an invitation to something spiritual. Something Jesus-oriented. I'm just trying to inspire you a little bit, help you to realize that, well, where do I look for these people to invite? That they go to school with you. Include them. Well, include them where? While you're eating lunch, you know? Include them when you're, when you're huddled up in a circle by the locker and you're telling stories, whatever it may be about. If you just include people, you'd be surprised how now they might want to hear what you have to say. Amen? At work, the, the principal's very similar. Walk down the hall, talk to people next to you in your cubicle, at the shop, on the job, while you're on a Zoom meeting. Make sure you do it at break time. All right? It's not a great witness to be jabber-jawing about Jesus when the boss is paying you and you've done it for three hours and saying, I'm led by the Holy Spirit, right? I'm gonna know that's probably not gonna work real good. Again, the odds are the people you work with, guys, I'm just trying to help you to realize it's, it's not that hard to find the hurting people. They work with you, right? And they're just looking to feel included and or what? Invited. I don't say this self-righteously because I've not been great at this lately. I used to be incredible at it, but I'm not that great at it anymore. This week, the Spirit of God really stretched me, and I, I invited a gas station clerk to church. I invited a... Uh, 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 a waitress at, at a restaurant, the church, you know, I don't know if, if they came, but my, my gut, it tells me this, that they're hurting. Really, I, I'm not sizing people up. I'm not looking at someone on the outside and saying, you must be hurting. I just know the human heart, right? And I, and I just feel, I'm really big on this thing called divine appointments. So I don't think that, 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 you know, things are by chance. I believe the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, right? 
So if, if I have a waitress, you know, and or a gas station clerk, I'm going to assume that they are hurting and I'm not gonna, you know, stand on the table at the gas station or at the restaurant and start preaching hellfire and brimstone. I'm just gonna love on them a little bit, ask them how they're doing and maybe invite them to something spiritual, amen? When I was at school and, and playing sports, and I know some of this I, I've shared numerous times, but I was extremely uncoachable and unteachable. No one could coach me or teach me. And the primary reason why was because I took my hurts out on any and all authority figures, including teachers, including uh, uh, principals, including coaches, classmates, and teammates. And you say, well, why did you do that? The only answer I have is because hurt people hurt people. You know? So, so, I mean, I didn't know how to handle my hurts. I was shocked. I was sad in life that nobody uh, that coached me or taught me in class tried to figure out what was hurting me. I'm telling you, the 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 year old, nobody slowed me down and said, what in the world? Why are you such a hothead? Nobody said that to me. They called me a hothead, but nobody ever said, why? What, what's, what's eating at you? What's your issue, man? Who or what hurt you, Angelo? Nobody ever, ever said that to me. As a 12-year-old, nobody, nobody ever said, what in the world is your problem? And why do you act the way you act? Why are you so angry at the world? Not one person ever asked me that. They just told me I was angry, and again, and, and, and I was a hothead. I cannot remember, guys, a single Christian student, a single Christian teacher, coach, or even any adult who thought something hurt him, someone hurt him. He's a hot mess. I don't remember any of that. Again, I, I, I know I'm repeating myself a little bit, but, but no one tried to comfort me or console me. No one tried to help me emotionally in my attitude. Now, in all fairness, I was a hot mess, okay? In all fairness, I was a piece of work. I wasn't real coachable, I wasn't real teachable, so that might have contributed to something, but for the most part, I don't remember anybody trying to help me. And I want you to know, I grew up really hurting. I grew up, I'm telling you what, big time, from age seven to 20, I was a hot mess and I was really hurting. I was filled with all kinds of bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness, and all I did was take it out on friends and family, primarily my mom. I'm not proud of that. I'm just trying to get you to see that I didn't run into any Christians that even tried to help me a little bit. How many of you have heard the story of me beating up my coach? Dude, I pounded him, man. I'm not proud of that. I think I beat up two coaches now that I think about it. I lived in detention. Okay, we had a little fun in the first service. How many out there beat up a coach or two? Raise your hand. Anybody? Just me? How about detention? Anybody ever spend a, you know, Jeff, get your hands up, man. Okay. All right, all right. How about jail? Anybody been to jail? Woo, we're in the right church, all right? Because my notes tell me, Angela, you were in jail six or seven times. We're going to change our name to Jailbird Assembly of God, all right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Joined a bunch of party circles. Pounding beers, puffing pot, and popping all kinds of pills. 
Well, why? To hide from my inner pain. It helped mask it temporarily, right? And then for the most part, that's what drugs and alcohol and those types of things do. They mask your pain temporarily. You know what I would have loved? I would have loved the shot at popping into a church youth group at 14, 15, or 16 years old. I would have loved that. I just, I just, part of me is like, Ugh! I just wish somebody would have invited me to, to their youth group when I was 14, 15 years old, beat up a pastor or two, you know, just get there, you know? But it, it never happened. I just have to trust the timing and the sovereignty of the Lord of when he wanted me to come to Christ, I guess. Um, and then when I started trying church, I was shocked at how many Christian people didn't reach out to my hurting heart. It was just, I was like, what in the, what is this? You know, this next statement's kind of challenging, but many in church, at least from my perspective in the mid 80s, uh, they were prayer, praise, and sermon junkies, man. Yeah, they were just junkies. I'm not kidding you. You walk in, they just, and they could pray down heaven. They could praise and touch chandeliers. I'm not kidding you, man. You know what I mean? And when it comes to sermons, they were junkies, but few wanted to deal with the junk in my life. And I'm all for being passionate for powerful sermons. And boy, oh boy, we need to cry out to God in prayer. I talked about that last week. And I'm a big fan of praising and glorifying Jesus. But if you become a junkie with those three things and you forget the junk in society, I don't think that's what Jesus did. Are you with me? How many still love their pastor? Forty-one percent. I'll take it. Today, people don't know what to do about what's hurting them. A high percentage, they don't know what to do. And that's why drug and substance abuse is, is flat out off the charts. It's just off the charts. And what's extremely deceptive about our culture's drug problems are this. Many think because my drugs are legal in prescription, I don't have a problem. I don't have an addiction. I don't have a hurt. I don't have a wound. Today, people are popping pills, pounding shots, smoking weed, and shooting heroin, primarily because they are hurting and they want temporary relief from their inner pain. And I didn't say it's the only reason. I'm just saying it's a huge reason. Again, it's that temporary escape, come on now, from pain, that temporary escape from problems, temporary escape from trials. Ultimately, it's temporary escape from what's hurting me. It just seems better, okay, to have temporary relief than no relief at all. And that's why you're seeing such a spike in those types of things. Pornography tends to work in similar ways. It's just another temporary false high. Most people trapped in pornography are feeding their flesh because their flesh is afraid, wounded, lonely, and or broken or hurt. Not the only reason, but it's a huge reason. 
Sexual abuse statistics, guys, listen, they are skyrocketing. Listen, the odds of you talking to someone this week who has been sexually abused are, are just, again, they're off the charts. I, I assume when I'm talking to someone that there's a slight strong possibility that they might have been sexually abused. I don't get weird and ask questions like that. I just know that statistically this stuff is off the stinking charts. Are you with me? I'm not going to, I'd rather err on the side of, man, this, this guy, this girl might have been abused in some way than to be naive and think that they grew up in a Leave at the Beaver home. And for those of you who don't know who Leave at the Beaver is, Google it. It's very safe. Many other forms of abuse, listen, they ain't going away. They're just not. Um, they hurt. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, even spiritual abuse. You've been caught up in that. It's painful. In church, I'm going to we got to wake up. we got to wake up because almost every day we're encountering people that were raised or are presently in a broken home. Fatherless home, dysfunctional home, abused and abandoned households. That's another thing that I just, I just, when I'm meeting people, especially if they're rebellious, they got a little bit of an attitude, they want nothing to do with Jesus, you know, I just assume that their heart is really wounded because they don't even know who their daddy is. They are so wounded and scarred by being left alone. Mom and dad are both making $100,000 plus, but they don't even know their kids' names or what their kids' schedule. Those types of people grow up really wounded, and, and there's a void. So if you just take a little substance, you get involved in a little immorality, it just kind of takes it away temporarily. I'm just assuming this stuff. Then you even got mental health and emotional health. It's an epidemic, guys. It's not going away. It's growing. It's gaining ground. Now, both those struggling with and dealing with mental health are hurting. I hope you caught that because both of them are hurting. If, if you're dealing with any kind of emotional baggage or mental health struggles in any way, shape, or form, listen, those types of people are hurting. But so are the family members that are, that are raising those types of people or are connected to them. They're hurting too. I don't want to compare who's hurting more. I'm just saying that emotional health hurts when it's not healthy. And I'm just trying to get us to realize we live in a culture today that's really hurting. And if we'll just put our spiritual glasses on and look through the lenses on a daily basis that the people that we rub shoulders with are scarred and wounded, you'd be surprised who you start including and inviting into your life. Are you with me? Our identity crisis and our identity confusion is extremely troubling. It's extremely painful. I'm going to say something that, that should rock your casbar. Don't Google it. Listen, when we're talking about, as we're talking about identity crisis and identity 
confusion. We haven't even experienced the consequences of what this will look like in 10 to 20 years. Do you realize that? We don't, we're all flipping out right now because identity crisis and, and identity confusion has you know, become this, this topic that's dominating the news and schools and stuff like that. And we haven't even experienced the fruit, if you want to call it that, the consequences of what this is going to look like in God bless America in 10 to 20 years. Does that make sense? And I'll admit this. I'll admit that my attitude is more mad than sad about our identity crisis. I'm not necessarily proud of that. Let me just say this. I don't know which one's more righteous. I just, I'm not that spiritual, all right? I don't know which one's more righteous, that, that, that we as Christians are mad about the identity crisis going on in our culture or sad. I'm just saying, for me, I, I tend to be more, more, more mad about it. And what God has been speaking to me about is, is simply this, is it's really painful when you don't know who you are. Whatever that means. It's, it just hurts. So I'm just challenging us to, to, to instead of just being mad, also be sad and have some empathy. And realize that we live in a generation of people who just do not know who they are. And I'm not just talking about sexually. I'm just saying we live in a generation where people are really hurting. And they're looking for answers and they're looking for hope. And I'm so glad that Rock Church dreams of a place where our identity is in Christ. I really am. Got to make sure it's not just a cool banner in the corners. It's got to become part of who we are. That we dream of a place where those who call Rock Church their home have finally put their identity in Christ and Christ alone, right? Because what we tend to do is point our finger at a world that doesn't know who they are and that lacks identity, yet we got similar problems in our churches. We got people coming to church for three years, five years, 15, 20 years, and they're still struggling with their identity in Christ. So the dream is simply this, that you and I get healthy and whole. We realize and we know from the scriptures and through experience who we are in Christ. We know our identity is in Christ. I'll tell you what, that's when you can really impact a society, a region. When people come in here and they can sense that there's a lot of people, not everybody, because we want the struggling and the hurting as well, but they can sense there are people here that know who they are what? In Christ. I bring up this messed up generation stuff because we must circle up with the messed up. Let me say that again. We've got to circle up with the messed up. Why? The messed up in our generation are our mission. That's our mission. That is our mission. In fact, I love what Jesus said in Luke 531 and 32, he said this. He answered them, is it not the healthy who need a doctor? It is not the healthy who need a doctor. Is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? I have not, what, come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, this is going to be a little challenging for us as Christians, but in this verse, why did Jesus come? He came for the sick. I'm not just talking physically sick, emotionally, relationally. 
He came for those hurt and wounded. That's why he came. He came for the sick and he came for sinners like you and me. Someone say amen, right? And that, 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 that's why he came. So I just, I got to challenge us a little bit here. My question is, why, why did you come? Now, if you're like, I came because I'm really hurting and I'm sick and I, I realize I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Praise the Lord. You're welcome anytime. But if you've been coming here three years, five years, eight years, 11 years, 15 years, it's time that you and I start coming for those who are sick and sinners. Just saying. That's why he came. Aren't we called to be Christ-like? So we come to events and we come to life group and we come to church because we want to make an impact on those who are hurting. That'd be incredible. Let me tell you one event that I wish we could do 15 times a year. I don't think we could. It'd wear us out, okay, and it'd cost us a ton. But I would love to do about 12 or 15 wild game dinners. You know, like, why? Because you're like buffalo and venison? No. Because when we do a wild game dinner, the house is filled with the sick and sinners. I'm telling you, it's, it, it, it's like 500 people in this room. I know the next day it smells like death. I get it, right? But there's 500 plus people in this room. And of the 500, I bet you over 300 of them don't even know who Jesus is. Yet they talk about him all night, just saying. I'm just challenging us. That's the kind of stuff that helps churches make a massive impact. All right, I'm going to shift gears here and end this thing. If you want to learn how, if you want to learn about who is hurting, watch the news. Really, just watch the news. Look what it says. If you want to learn about who is hurting, watch the news. Don't watch the news for the news. Right? Don't watch the news for the news or for truth. Those days are long gone. Some of you are watching the news because you actually believe it. All right? Don't watch the news for the news. Watch the news and ask God to break your heart for what breaks his heart. It's a totally different way to watch the news. Listen, you can, you can watch the news for three basic reasons. There's probably more. But here's three basic reasons to watch the news. And some of you are like, I ain't never watching the news. That's why you, you never know what's going on. Right? Number one, to inform you. Number two, to infuriate you. And number three, to inspire you. Now, here's what I do with the news. Clicker in hand, right? Put on news. Initially, I want some information. 15 minutes later, I'm infuriated. I'm about ready to throw the clicker through the TV, right? And I'm not even watching the Lions or the Tigers, all right? It's the news, all right? And, and, and here's, here's what happens to me. I click the news off if all I'm doing is getting information and or infuriated. It has to, for me to stay watching the news, it has to shift from information and infuriation, it has to shift to inspiration. I got to get inspired. While I'm watching the news, you get inspired? Yeah, I get inspired to preach a sermon when I watch the news. 
I get inspired to do a sermon called, called The Hurting and the Hungry when I, when I watch the news. Are you with me? I get inspired to, to, to share a prophetic, timely word when I, when I watch the news. And, and, and I want to encourage you to put different lenses on when you, when you, when you watch the news. And, and, and start realizing that God is trying to show you that our world is a hot mess. It's hurting. It needs direction. It needs a shepherd to guide them. More than anything, they need the Lord Jesus in their life. And God should be inspiring us when we watch and or listen to the news to invite and or include the hurting into our circle. And ultimately, hopefully when you watch the what? The news, you get inspired to proclaim and practice the gospel, which is really called the good what? The good news. It's the good news. So you watch the news so that you're more in tune with sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus has something to say about the good news in Luke chapter 4. And you can stand as I read this. Listen to Jesus here. I don't know what your perspective of what he's like, but listen to Jesus' first message in a church, in a synagogue. Now, he might have preached before this in the streets and in the valleys and things like that, but this is in a synagogue. He's talking to religious people. And he's like, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he has what? He's anointed me to preach the gospel, preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to what? To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, as well as recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are what? Oppressed. Isn't that incredible? The good news is Jesus is here. I said the good news is Jesus is here. He's here to forgive you. here to save you. Save me from what? Yourself. Society. Jesus is here to set you free from sin, deception. He's healed a, he's here to heal your heart. What a crazy thought that is that Jesus is still doing that. The Spirit of the Lord is still on Jesus to preach good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to the brokenhearted. Are you with me? But before I give one more challenge to all of us church people, I can't preach a message about circling up with the hurting if we don't give the hurting, those who don't know Christ, an opportunity to put their trust in their lives in Christ's hands. That's kind of what salvation is. It's like, no longer am I going to try to live my life on my own. I'm not Lord of my life anymore. Jesus is. So I'll look to my right here. It's in this section in this area with a raised hand. You're basically saying, Jesus is not my Lord, but I'm going to make him Lord today. Anybody, anybody who's open enough, transparent enough to say, it's time I put my trust in Jesus. 
All right, how about to my left here? With a raised hand, you're just going, it, it, it's time, it's time. I'm, I'm tired of, of trying to work this thing out on my own. I need God in my life. I need forgiveness and freedom. Anybody to my left here? There's a hand over there, praise the Lord. I love it. I love it. Way to go. So gutsy. Way to go. All right, right in the center section here. Anybody here? You're like, man, I really haven't put my trust in Jesus, and today's the day. I'm tired of trusting self and government and society, and the list goes on. I want to drink from the well today. Living water. I don't want thirst, spiritually speaking, anymore. Anybody, I can't see the best. It's horrible up here. Okay, what's my friend's name to my far left? First name? Jackie. Jackie? I love that. All right. Jackie, we're going to help you give your life to Jesus. And then Delaine over there, right there, she's waving her hand like a crazy woman. All right. She's going to take you in that prayer room and feed you filet mignon, all right? We're going to help her. Jackie, there's just something about God who's like, I want my people to confess me as Lord. And they do it publicly. But you're not going to have to do it by yourself because you've got 416 people that are going to do it with you, right? And all we're going to do is we're going to pray, we're going to talk to Father, and we're going to give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? So everybody in the house say, Jesus, Jesus. I give you my life. life. No longer, God, God. will I be Lord Lord. over my own life. Jesus, you are Lord. You're a loving God. You're a forgiving God. You're going to heal my heart. And right now, you are saving my soul. I put my trust In Christ alone, what Jesus did on that cross for my sins, my rebellion, and my heart. And right now, I'm saved. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. I love it. I'm going to read something in First, Second Corinthians in just a second. But uh, as as I get prepared to read this, I want to throw one more thought out at you guys. Because if you're out there and you're a Christian and you feel like your Christianity is um, kind of stale, maybe stagnant, and or you you need some shifting, right? Here's a, here, here's the thing. Change your circle by hanging with the hurting. So I don't know where you're at. So I'll kind of chop that up a little bit. But if you're out there and you feel like, man, my Christianity is a little stale, maybe a little stagnant, I need to make some shifts, some changes, I'm asking you to change your, your, your circle by hanging with the hurting. And I'll tell you right now, you start hanging around with the hurting, your Christianity will not be stale or stagnant, Right? But you neglect the hurting and you've got no time for the hurting, your Christianity will turn into to some real stagnant stuff. I've been there. I'm going to close with what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
verses 3 and 4, where he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of what? The Father of what? Isn't that incredible? The Father of compassion. And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from who? From God. What's Paul saying there? He's like, hey, one-on-one in life, when you're talking to people at work, school, wherever, tell them your story of how the God of compassion got a hold of your heart. Why? Because they need to encounter the God of compassion too, right? That's pretty much what he's saying. Or maybe you're in your life group or your circle of influence. Ah, what an opportunity. And now it's not one-on-one. Now you might be impacting three, four, eight, nine, twelve different people. And what do you do? You share how the God of compassion comforted you in your trouble, in your addiction, in your bondage, in your storm whatever it might be, you begin to share that. And then what happens? Those who have not experienced that yet are like, I want what you have. I want to encounter this God of compassion. Amen. All right, we're going to open this altar up. Um, Before I do that, I just want you to raise your hand for one of two different scenarios. A would be this. I'm really hurt. I, I need a touch from God. I've got a lot of wounds and scars that I don't totally know how to deal with and I need some people to agree with me in prayer. Um, the other one, B, would be you, you kind of got inspired a little bit today. The Holy Spirit's stretching you to be more in tune with the hurting. So those are the two scenarios, right? So I'm asking you to, you can raise your hand for both if you want, but raise your hand for one or the other. The first one is I'm really wounded and I need a touch from the Lord today. Anybody? I'm not going to do anything weird for you. Praise the Lord. Love it. Maybe I should have done the other one first. Keep it up a little higher just so we can see it. All right? Two would be, two would be, remember, it's, it's, I've been inspired today. I'm being stretched by the Spirit of God to make a difference. I'm tired of just talking about it. I want to learn how to walk it out and make an impact. Whose hand would go up for that one? That's almost the rest of us, right? Some of us wouldn't raise our hand if Jesus was in front of them walking on water. You know, Jesus would be walking on water. He'd say, raise your hand if you, and you'd be like, no. It's not real. It's a ghost, right? All right, so here's what we're going to do. You know, I'm a big fan of steps of action. You've been inspired? This carpet over here. Nobody's going to pray for you. We're just going to worship and go after God. You've been inspired by this message. Just come over here, and you can come over here right now. Push somebody out of the way if you have to, all right? And over here, I need prayer. I just need a touch from the Lord. I'm hurting, and I don't know fully what to do, and I need a touch from the Lord. And we're going to go after the Lord together. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.